We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Tommy just brought this up about the, the Nets tickets available. So I I have, like, as Andrew will be the first to attest to, I just have too much shit on my play with the Knicks. Like, I don't have time really to get on. Oh, you, you don't know what happened? What? They're, like, having trouble selling playoff tickets. Yeah, so, so my impression literally just from, like, the couple of minutes a day that I scroll through Twitter and see stuff. Like, are, is that a legitimate thing that they're really having trouble selling tickets? So... I, I haven't done the actual deep dive to actually go and see, like, go to the website and try to buy them. I'm sure someone in the someone in the comment section can tell us, but the the main source of the jokes has been a promo video by James Harden saying that using promo code Beard, you get half off your playoff tickets, and then he lets out this weird like breath roar at the end which was embarrassing and it's been like wow so the Knicks sold out 15,000 seats in minutes and the, the Nets are two days later need one of their Hall of Famers to give a coupon code and it's, it still can't happen I gotta be honest guys like I've, I do not want to spend most of this morning making fun. No, of no, I just that's, <laughs> that's that's my that's my fault because I just was curious about the story because I yeah, yeah you're good. I do have a question I, uh, before we get everybody up here. As as we're letting more people in, um, what because you obviously you, you've been asking us a lot this week about odds and how, what odds did I have to give you to do this? Um, what odds would I have had to give you? that LeBron was going to miss time for violating health and safety protocols. Like if I oh, gave well, you a thousand to one, would you take it? I mean, just because he did something, he wasn't like he, what, he, he basically went to a party and there was video of him at the party. So um, the I would party taken... he went to that where Drake was photo was photographed with him. That was apparently violated health and safety protocols. 
Yeah, so basically, um, yeah, no, they're every, uh, in case you didn't see. Oh, yeah, I know. That's yeah, why I'm yeah. saying, like, yeah. um, there was no chance he was missing time. Uh, let's see. If, okay, so here's the question. If I had $100 and I could either keep my $100 or I could wager the $100 on what odds, what odds would I have needed to put the $100 up? Um, if it was 10 to 1, I would have kept the 100 If it was if it was 50 to 1, I would have put the 100 on the line. Yeah, I would. I'm fifty to one. I okay. Think. Yeah, I think if you <laughs> Tommy's like me, keep it unless it's I don't. Know, I, I've lost track of the zeros. Is it ten million to one? It might yeah. be. I, yeah. I think you have better odds of like, will the sun come up tomorrow? And be like, you know what? I'll put a hundred on it. Won't you know? Could, couldn't Alfred Payton have gone to a fucking what? Or I, I don't. It doesn't kill. What's like a shittier? What's a really shitty liquor? Um, like, like, uh, uh, what's the, what's the brand that makes like the well gin that, co- that you find in every bar? Um, let's go, let's send Elf to a party for shitty well gin. Beef Eater. Beef Thank you. Yes. But Alfred Payton is the new sponsor of Beef Eater, uh, shit, uh, bar mat gym, gin. Uh, and sorry, he can't start game one though. I, I would say he could go to 7-Eleven and... We'd be. I'm sorry, you violated health and safety protocols. You can't start game one now. Um, All right, so we have people on the docket. I think we're ready to get started. Welcome everybody to our Saturday morning locker room. Um, Rules of the game are simple. If you have a desire to come up and speak to us, click request to speak. I will try to get you up here one at a time. Um, If you have background noise, please pay attention to it and mute your mic throughout. We'll get you up here for about six or seven minutes. Do not be offended when I bump you from the stage. Are you ready, Mr. Um, Macri? I I was born ready. Okay. Uh, First but not least. I guess that's not how it's said. Last but not least. First and foremost. There you go. Justin Richards, a frequent here on Nick's Film School's locker room. Welcome to the stage, Justin. What's going on, Justin? <clears throat> Nothing much. Uh, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, happy energy to everyone. Uh, go Knicks. Um, yes, very happy energy. Yeah, I know, right? Um, it's still crazy. To, I, it's Every day I wake up and it's just like, wow, the Knicks are in the playoffs. That's actually a thing. Um, and a four seed. And they have home court. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. who we are. This is us. We are here. Um, so I actually I have a question about RJ, but it's before it's just him in general. Um, before that, my question about the Hawks. So uh, I'm assuming everyone saw the Memphis game um, where Ja like pretty much took over late. Yes, and it was um, it got me thinking. Um, sitting down, like because I feel like maybe over the last couple of days, people have been questioning. You know, how, how can you build around a guard who can't really shoot that well from the perimeter. Um, it might be a defensive liability. He might be too small. And Ja hit five threes and, you know, kind of did that for what it's worth. But my question was more, I I wonder if having someone like Ja at his apex, let's say he's like, I don't know, a better shooting version of Westbrook, maybe not like the the – the rebounding type of guy that Westbrook yeah. was, but a guy I mean, who's it, like super it, quick who can get in like lane, the, but can give you some shots. Yeah. Yeah. Like what's the, what's the, the, um, when you separate like the animals into all the different genuses and like this and that, they're like one, if you like branch off of like one sec subset of guards, they're like in the same subset. But then when you branch off from there, they're in like different, but they're, they're close enough. Basically. They're close enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And let's, let's max out RJ as like, 
you know, the comps that we gave Paul Pierce, Jimmy Butler, whatever. Do you, who do you think is a better guy to quote build around? Cause I feel like a lot of times Knicks fans, they're like, and I do it too. We're like overprotective of RJ because it, it was always kind of decided that he would be bad and these three and these other two guys would be really good. But I'm, I'm curious to think like, is it easier to build around that type of guard in today's NBA with how fast things are going? Or is it easier because, you know, like there's a significant age difference between Randall and RJ. If RJ is going to be here for a while, Randall will probably be retired at some point before maybe he's even at his peak. Um, which one of those guys you think would be the easier guy to build around to like win titles or at least get deep in the playoffs? I mean, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do the, the lawyer, the lawyer thing and hold you to the, the way you phrase the question, then I, I could answer RJ because he, I think is arguably one of the, again, quote unquote, easiest players to build around in the league because like, what with the shooting being what it is this like now and with the with the um obviously the defensive versatility that I think there's still more on the way like what wh- where are you hamstrung in your team building decisions by RJ you could get literally any shooting guard and any wing or for that matter any point guard and like they'll slide along RJ fine um I, I think what you're I think what you're really asking, though, is which of the two players would, if 28 other, because like obviously both, I think both teams would want to keep their guys. Um, so if you ask 28 other teams, which of these two guys would you want? I, I'm not. I don't think. Like I think more teams would probably say. Actually, you know what? Here's the thing. Because you look around the league, and a lot of teams have point guards that they like, and they probably feel good about for the next like five years or so. So, like, RJ is just, like I say, he's such an easy fit. Um, I don't, I hope I'm not pissing anybody off by saying, like, uh, Morant has a higher ceiling than RJ. I'm sure some people would be bothered by me saying that. I, well, I'll, yeah, it's just because you could see, like, and again, I, I really love the, the strides that he's taken this year, but it's a different type of responsibility that Ja has than RJ has. Like, guys, Ja's literally carrying that team like I understand they might have like overall better players than the Knicks like if I popped um but if I popped RJ off the Knicks and I popped Ja off the Knicks I still think the Knicks like have you mean if you took decent record like they're not maybe in the playoffs but like are they the 10th seed the 11th seed 9th seed I can see them being there well but like but see but that's what I've been kind of writing about the last few weeks um or not writing about like touching on it in terms of so, like, RJ's now, yeah, he's been struggling again from inside the arc, and, like, that's a thing again. He's still hitting his threes. Great. So, whereas in the middle of the season, you you could, for, like, 20, 30 games there, you could have looked at RJ as an asset not only for his defense and for his three-point shooting, but for what he was doing inside the arc. He was shooting above 50% from the field, um, from two-point range. He was like, um, you know, he was he was a legitimate, probably at that time, a sec- the second option on the team to Randall. Whatever it's been, three, four weeks, it's a, RJ is an asset as a three-point shooter and as a defender, and he helps you with his passing here and there. But, like, 
more like so what did you just describe you just described pretty much reggie bullock right exactly so, Mikel, so, but, a, a typical three and d player yeah so but again we're talking about the last month where where rj has already showed it or over a period of time this season that he has that other gear and oh by the way he's fucking 20 and he's built like a brick shithouse so if the if the if more of the butler stuff comes in terms of the playmaking and like the improved finishing and all of that then i absolutely think there is a forget like a world where he's better than ja there's a very realistic world where he's better than ja because and this then this is the last thing i'll say on this is that like i know the game has changed and like that's all well and good we've still seen exactly two I mean, unless I'm, well, let me make sure I'm not, I don't know. I don't think I'm forgetting anybody. We've seen two small guards be the quote unquote best players on championship teams over the last four. Well, really ever. So Isaiah Thomas, which is on a very, very unique Pistons team that had, that was fucking stacked. And then Steph Curry, who was literally the greatest shooter of all time. I don't care the job had eight seconds to line up at three last night and, and like hit several of them. That's, that's, a, that's not in the same conversation as Curry. So, Given the defensive limitations, given the shooting question marks, oh God, I can't believe I'm going to say. It. I actually do. Th- this might sound insane. I think more teams would would really think hard about about taking RJ over Ja at this point. Um, but that's I don't know, man. It's tough. It's really tough. Um, yeah, yeah. And and you know, like I said before, I I more wanted this to be more of an inclusion of RJ into the big three as opposed to uh, t- bringing Ja down to more of like. He's not that good because I, I just I really do like. Ja. Yeah, no, I, and I appreciate that. I just like the uh, one more thing on this. Like, I if you're someone that like swooped in this season, which I know nobody in here has done. You've wa- everybody in here has watched like what pretty much every game. Um, if you just swooped in and like took a five minute or ten minute RJ, you very well could have landed on some place where you're like, oh, okay, this is an interesting young player, but like this isn't a building block. But if you've watched the entire season and you see the stretches where it's like, oh shit, he's really figuring it out. I think that's what you of like, yeah, he actually really does belong in that conversation. But again, that's not saying that he has the same ceiling <laughs> as those other guys. If everything for those other two guys hits, different world. But like RJ, I, I, like a realistic ceiling as a top, I don't know, 15 player, I no longer think that that's crazy in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And again, for like to spin this board, and I'll, I'll, I'll hang, this was it, I'll hang up and listen. Or you can kick me up after that. <laughs> um, so to spin this forward, I actually think that because of what you just said there, and I mean, the the playoffs for me, the way I look at it is that is where your star is born. It's like oh, you yeah. do a lot of things regular season, you could fuck around and, you know, have a triple double against the Hornets. I don't care. Um, what you do in the postseason, how you help your team win is what I think puts you in a different tier. And I feel like a lot of it, We've, we've kind of, like, gone over with, like, the Capella stuff, the Randall stuff, how much their shooting is, and, like, how much Rose can take advantage of his matchup. I I feel like if there isn't anyone on the Hawks team, to me, that should keep RJ from to, from the rim. Now, oh, I was a little concerned with Herter because I thought Herter did a decent job of him on the last game they played, but they're going to have to make a choice. They're going to have to put Hunter on someone. And if they're going to put him on Randall, 
I don't know who guards uh, RJ because I was listening to the low podcast from yeah, yeah no and they and they're they, talking they, about like, Hunter, like I heard too players. yeah yeah and it's like these guys don't have enough bodies to guard people and if you're telling me RJ is gonna play like he did in that Dallas game the last one and he can just put guys on his hip get to the rim and especially when they take Capella out the game and they have whoever fucking you know Solomon Hill. Yeah, uh, or Okongu or whoever. Okongu, yeah, like, he should eat. And for me, like, that's going to be the X factor of the series. Well, let's, I mean, that we'll was... call it like it is. It's, I think it's it's easy It's easy to say this. Um, if RJ is the version of RJ that we've seen for stretches of this season, not insignificant stretches of the season, like legitimate long stretches of the season, the Knicks are going to win the series. And I'm not going to say it's not going to be close, but they're – they're going to win the series. <laughs> so, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if we get that version of him. I, you know, I hope we do. Justin, mm-hmm. Justin, as always, thank you, my friend. No problem, man. All righty. Next up, we have a full slate. So bear with me, John. Uh, Rafa Santos, welcome to the stage. What's going on, Rafa? How are you, man? Hi, guys. Rafa. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we, uh, you're, you're with us. I, I hear you. Are you hearing me? Yep. Oh, so first and foremost, let's go, Nick, and <laughs> shooters from Brazil. You know, guys, oh, I'm always wow. uh, hearing you and and all the Knicks fandom. And man, I'm puffed up with this with this uh, with this playoff run that we we are starting to to see to 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 come to reality. Huh? It's and, awesome. And, yeah. 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 And uh, to to piggyback on 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 Justin, I was thinking all of the same thing y- yesterday, watching Ja uh, dominate dominate the 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 the, the Warriors, and and I was thinking uh, that well, first the Warriors are not the great team. They 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 had Curry, of course, but they're they're actually they like they're a bad team. <laughs> they're a bad team yeah, with a great yeah, player. Yeah. That's what they are. Yeah. So we let let's check out what uh, Jao will do against the Jazz, and and I guess he will be limited by by the Jazz defense. So so it will be a different animal that that he will have to to deal for. And and I think you, you guys agree. But the, the the second one is very similar to what Justin was thinking. Is not about uh, uh, um, I th- I was thinking about RJ of course and. And will we, he be able to to be a first option? That's that's my my question. And this is very hard to answer. I know, uh, John, but uh, in I don't know four or five years, will we have the handle and all the the thing needed to be a first option in, in the playoff team? And I don't know. I don't know. That's no, a hard question. But I that's I, I let you. So no, it's listen. I, I here's what I would have if, if this is why I pissed off a lot of Nick fans um, over the first the early part of the season. And like my response was just to laugh it off because I was like, you can't, you can't go by, you can't give me third pick in the draft plus pedigree plus work ethic. And then just out into potential long-term first option completely ignoring what we saw last year. Now it's a different conversation because we have another year's worth of evidence. And as, as we were mentioning before, there's like 
that, like we know as fans from I think at least when we're like grasping for straws and we're like well like with Frank okay I, sorry to, sorry to bring him up but like you know when when Frank would like have a game where he had like three drives to the basket and then idiots like me would be like see he's a he's a starting point guard just waiting to emerge like no that's not a real thing um with RJ when he had again I'm I'm going to just like kind of be really specific it was it started with the game after the Warriors game I think the Warriors game was the one where he went one for nine right Whatever that next game um, was, it started a stretch for him where it was like a solid 20 in the low 20s where like, yeah, there were a couple of iffy moments, but like he was finishing at an elite elite level. He was making all the right passes. He was doing everything that he needed to do to show you that like this is a future star at the wing position. Now, that said – we still haven't seen, I think, a couple of things that you, if you're really going to project first option, that we need to see. One is like elite shot creation, um, like off the dribble. It doesn't even like off the dribble. The arc, it, off. I know he's dribbled into a few threes this year. That's not the same as like shot creation behind the arc to me. I think there's a there's still another level. Yeah. Um, yeah. You I know, agree. and then and then creation it, inside the arc. The the finishing like the, the the best thing my favorite you know as far as it being just a Knicks fan and like being hopeful for the future my favorite piece of content that I read this year was the piece about the long term plan that him and um oh God I always forget his trainer's name the the famous Holly, one Holly. yeah there Holly, you go. God. the the plan for the next two years so it's and one this summer I think is the they're going to work on his like wiggle and shiftiness in the lane. And then the summer after that is going to be on the finishing. Because if, like, you know, that's the opposite of when we've seen young players, like, just come in the gym over the summer and fuck around. And, like, we hear, like, oh, this guy's reworked. Like, no. This guy has a plan, and he knows specifically what he needs to do to get to the level of, you know, whoever you want to say. Jimmy Butler, I think, is, a, is yeah. the most obvious comp. But, like, any of those comps. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's why yeah, he is perfect for him, huh? Yeah, no, exactly. But that, but he, like, he knows exactly what he needs to do to get there, and he's and we've already seen him. This year is proof positive that he like can take a bad skill in his game and turn it into not a decent skill, but like he's he's literally literally was the best corner three point shooter in the fucking NBA this year. Like that's yeah. not the same guy that we watched last season. So, so that's why it's like I don't want I don't want to tell me like oh he can't get there because like some of these finishes around the rim look so bad. Like no no no, I watched that dude shoot threes last year. That was really not great. And so for him to come out and and be the shooter that he is this year, to me that's proof that he could get there. And now the the second and last and, and just thank you you and Andre for all the the work that you put in this pandemic here in brazil we are not so good as you guys uh, that's unfortunate but hopefully uh, more people will get vaccinated with time and, and things will get better hopefully i can get back to the u.s to watch a game again uh, in, in msg but uh, how do you think we can beat the hawks what's, what's the most important thing i i, I know you you wrote a, a lot of things in your letter this week uh, this week that uh, we all read but 
what do you think is the most important thing uh, to be accomplished in order to beat the Hawks? Um, first of all, we're pulling for you. Um, you, you we, we all shall come out of this in one piece somehow. And um, I, I too hope that you can get back to the States to watch a, to watch a game in person soon. Um, for me, it's, it comes down to, I mean, it's sorry for the boring answer, but it comes down to Randall. Um, I'm worried. Here's my fear. Here's my fear is they come out and they basically let Randall eat on like Collins or, you know, I guess it would be Collins, but like whoever. And they're just like, look, we're going to single cover you. If you want to go out and get 35 or 40 or 45 on us, we're going to single cover you the whole game. Um, and then we're going to like get basically tire you out. And again, we've seen Randall tire out in these fourth quarters. And I wonder if there is, I wonder if there's a balance for the Hawks where Randall's calling his own numbers so much throughout the first three quarters that if they do start throwing some hard doubles at him in the fourth quarter, it like unnerves him just enough on just enough possessions. And like the three point shooters on the team haven't really gotten in a sufficient groove, Um, you know, but then again, like, I don't even know because we've seen games this season where they start out hot from three and then they get cold late. Like this team, (laughs) there's so little rhyme or reason to like when they, when they could sustain their offense and when they get into these ruts. Um, It's like, but I do think it comes down to Randall. I think Randall, he just, it were it's almost unfair, I think, what we're going to ask of him to do in this series. Um, at the same time, can he do it? I, yeah, he can do it. I we just we have to see it. Rafa, John, thank uh, you so uh, much, my man. Yeah, you, thank, uh, you, thank uh, you, Andrew. Thank you. As John, as John said, we're we're with you, man. We're praying for you. Yes. Alrighty, um, Jonas Plout. I'm sure this is going to be introspective and. Way too early on a Saturday morning for us. Jonas Plow, welcome <laughs> to the stage, sir. I love. How are you guys? <laughs> What's going on? Man? Not much. I'm excited as everyone else. I was lucky enough to get two seats or three seats for tomorrow's game. Oh, that's uh, awesome. And yeah, I, I happened upon a few, and I can't wait. I can't imagine what the garden's going to be like tomorrow. Oh goodness. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I imagine it'll be pretty loud. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I guess another statement. Um, so. Before I get to what I kind of want to talk about, uh, your answer to the last question kind of triggered my own, uh, like a small mini question, which is, sure. do you think there's a chance that the Hawks just let Randall eat? Oh, yeah. And then just force <laughs> everyone else to, yeah, you think so? Like, if I was Nate McMillan, like, which, I mean, because that's kind of what they did, but... Again, Nate McMillan only coached the one game. He coached the last game, and it was Randall's highest-scoring game, right? Or no, sorry. The second game was Randall's highest-scoring game, but the last game he had 40. So whatever. It was his, it was his second or third highest-scoring game of the year. And guess what? The Knicks probably would have lost that game if Trey Young doesn't go down. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't think they have a lot of good options, which is, like, good news for the Knicks. But, like, I, I do think that there's real merit to trying that out. Yeah. I, I feel like it's playing with fire, though. Like I feel like the Knicks shooters will eventually come through if if you know what they showed in the regular season is actually true. 
they'll have to have like at least one or two games where they can get going. And I feel like Randall's capable of winning us a game on his own. So I'm not I'm not worried about the shooters. I'm I guess I'm more worried like and this got me thinking now with the with the last part of the conversation about RJ. Like they're I, I think they're gonna need to have another guy step up to like take on more of a, the the shouldering of the offense. And I guess that the the one and again, I've picked the Knicks in the series, so I think they're going to win. I think they're going to figure out a way one, one way or the other. But just like, even if, let's say, RJ, for argument's sake, comes out and has a bad game one, right? Or he has a bad half, or he has a couple of bad halves, or a couple of bad games. Like, do any of us think he's not, by the end of this series, going to figure out how to make himself the most useful version of himself? Like, that's why I'm really hopeful. Um, and then if you give me him, in addition to Rose, and then obviously Randall, and then you factor in maybe a quickly game or two. And then, oh, I'm Burks, sorry. A factor in a Burks quarter. Like those Burks, Burks has one quarter. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, it is playing with fire. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't have a great, like real conviction on that, but that's my, my inclination is to say, I think they, there's a chance that they just let him eat. Anyway, I've, I've yeah. been droning on. What was your actual question? Well, I guess, this is more about like my one main fear slash curiosity heading into the series. Um, and surprisingly, and I feel like people will probably call me crazy for this, but like, I'm not really that afraid of Trey Young and Clint Capella, to be honest, because for me, they're quote unquote, like known entities. Like we know what they're going to do. And I mean, it sucks, but Capella's probably going to get 20 and 20 every single game. It's oh. the reality of the situation. I mean, yeah. like we don't have a solution to them. And, but at the same time, because we know what they're going to do, we can game plan for it. What I'm scared of is the or the like unknown entities, which I think you guys have spoken about throughout the week, um, are really the Hawks role players, specifically, you know, Bogey, Hunter and Herter. I feel like the series really will come down to how good those players and what versions of those players show up. And I feel like it's going to be very interesting to see how Tibbs straddles the line of trying to stop Young and Capella while trying to, you know, minimize the damage done by those three role players. Yeah, I mean, I like I it's tough for me to get on anybody picking the Hawks in the series because the Hawks had leads of, what was it? Seven, 11 and, and 15 in the three games. And over the course of the three games, what did young shoot? 35%. Um, Bogey was not there for one and for all intents and purposes, wasn't there for another. Um, I know he was literally played 18 minutes, but that was not what we've seen from Bogey lately. And I think Kevin Herter, did Kevin Herter hit like, what did he hit? One three in in the games? Two threes? Yeah, so it was, something like that. It was some obscenely lo- like those guys are not going to finish the series shooting like b- like being that persona non grata. And then we haven't even talked about Hunter, who like I I don't like I don't know what he is right now physically. So, but like yeah, that's a great unknown. Bogey to me is like uh, if we're like again, I really don't not trying to talk this into existence, but like if we're sitting here two weeks from now and the Knicks have just lost like in six or seven games and we're sitting around being like, was Bogey Bogdanovich really just the best player in that series? Like I, if you told me that I wouldn't like think that that's nuts. That dude is, he's really good. Um, and like, so who's going to stop him? Is it going to, I guess it's going to be Reggie Bullock and I trust Reggie Bullock a lot on defense, but it's, yeah, I think it's a great point. Um, I, I I don't really have a great comeback because I just think it's a really good point. That's all. Yeah, no, I mean, 
I, I think that it's going to be, I think someone wrote it in the chat, like what I just said, and then the Knicks bench are going to be the two main factors. And I think ultimately, like obviously Tibbs rotations too. I'm not going to get into that because I don't think anyone wants to talk about that. But I think <laughs> if it were me, I would just stick Bullock on bogey the entire game. 100%. Match the minutes, you know, do what you can. I don't think RJ's, uh, I don't know. I just don't trust RJ as much on defense as I do with Bullock. And I think if you can stick RJ on Hunter or Herter, I know he kind of got cooked by Herter a little. I think we can survive through those minutes and just try and, you know, stop bogey. I, that's, it's a great point. And, and thanks for the call. I, um, man, RJ's, so RJ's a good defender. He's a, he's a, clearly a good defender. He's, he's yeah. a very good defender, but like, I'm completely with you on that. Like I, I don't go into this being like, oh, we'll just put RJ on player X and X, player X goes away. That's not where we're at with RJ's defense. It's like this weird in-between zone where, again, massive progress. He's really good. He's helpful, the whole thing. But I don't trust him to shut down another team's, like, really good wing. So, yeah. Yeah. And then I have something for Andrew. Ooh. That's okay. I know. Different. Um you obviously have been talking about how you think it's going to be first to 115. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the, do you trust the Hawks offense to get to 115 more than the Knicks to shut them down? Is that what you're essentially saying? That's essentially what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't think the Knicks defense at all, like even in game one, you don't think they're going to come out and like have a chance. You think it's just going to be from game one. The Hawks are just going to come in with like an onslaught. So to be fair, um, I'm basing a lot of this off of, like league pass rooting against the Hawks for the yeah. last month of the season. And just every time I watch the Hawks play, they're putting up 40 in the first quarter. And I do think that, I mean, we don't want to talk about the rotation, but I do think there is a radical adjustment to the rotation that can be made that doesn't waste 12 minutes that lets the Knicks compete first to one fifteen. Um yeah, yeah, I don't, the Hawks are really good, and I think they've figured something out once Bogey came back, once they started to to gel with this McMillan type of offense. And while I do think it will be more difficult to get to 115, um, they were getting 120, 130 with ease on multiple teams down the stretch of the season. So that's more where I land is that the Knicks have struggled with like high-powered offensive teams this season and i i think this series is uh, everybody that was saying give me the hawks it's like be careful what you wish for as john said to to carlin last night can i just notice three three things as we transition to the next caller one um the thoughts of uh, claudio are not representative of those (laughs) podcast um two I get where Andrew's coming from because as much as I want to say, like, oh, the Knicks defense will win them two games in this series, you could say that of, like, the Lakers they're going to be in, that their defense will just win them two games because you know there is a baseline of offense that, like, because of the guys that they have, assuming LeBron James doesn't look like, um, I don't know, 43-year-old Carmelo um, moving forward – uh, like they're, they're going to score enough points so that yes, their defense will win them two games. I think they not and play well enough that like they should win two games on the back of the defense. But do I feel at their offense is like a hundred percent guaranteed? Yes, it'll be there. Um, no. And then the last thing is um, somebody wrote free Frankie in the chat. I just I mm-hmm. even though I 
threw a little bit of water on the idea of like sticking um, Frank on Trey Young in the newsletter yesterday. I do think Frank can absolutely be vital, not necessarily on Young though in this series. I think he could be like, why why not have Frank guard you know for the minutes that maybe Reggie is like not in or guarding someone else? Hurt or if or put put him on whoever is hot for the Hawks like. That's the great part about Frankie's. You could put him on one one through three, and, you know, he's good. Yeah, yeah Jonas, yeah. Um, like, my, my thinking of first to – like, I picked 115 for a reason. Like, the Hawks have been playing first to 125 for the last month. So I'm giving the Knicks credit that they can limit the Hawks to that. I just – it's whether the Knicks can get to 115 or not, that scares me. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's my thought. Yeah, I agree with that. But I feel like the way it's going to go is the Knicks are going to come out like strong. And I think their defense is going to be able to stop them for the first game or two. And then I think it's going to become a battle of adjustments. And that's where I get scared. Like when the Hawks make their adjustments after game one, game two, will Tibbs' adjustments be good enough to match them? Obviously, McMillan has like a sketchy uh, playoff record, but yeah, they I, have enough weapons that it's, it's, it, once those adjustments come, it's going to be interesting to see how the Knicks match them. I, tr- you know what? If we didn't have the shooting that we have shown all year, I would be right there with you. But I trust Tibbs' adjustments. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Plus, our ability to continue to be dangerous from three. And then the guy that I've, I've just um, mentioned in passing, I think, so far this morning. But I do think we're going to need him to come up massive at, at a couple times in this series as quickly. I just, when we're at our best, Emmanuel quickly is, like, doing Emmanuel quickly shit. Yeah. And we, we, we have to, I want to see that for a couple of games. I think we're going to need to see that for a couple of games. Jonas, as always, my man, thank you for the, the very thoughtful conversation. Thank you, guys. Go Knicks. Dan, welcome to the stage, sir. What's going What's on, Dan? What's going on, guys? How are you? Doing great. Thanks for the uh, the shout out earlier, Macri. I I was the one that DM'd you how to get in the room, but uh, I figured oh, yeah. out. I heard <laughs> shout out. <laughs> Good talk. Um, but actually, this is a great follow up. I actually was just going to ask uh, what Jonas just said. Um, I wanted to talk about the coaches, Tom Thibodeau versus Nate McMillan, uh, whether we see that as an advantage for the Knicks, uh, Tom Thibodeau's ability to make adjustments throughout the series, whether or not he'll be able to do that more effectively than, than Nate McMillan. I know Nate, you know, he's got a lot of experience too with the Trailblazers and then the Pacers, 
Um, but Tom, he, he's got the experience. He's, he's been in the playoffs a, a number of times, gone really deep with the Bulls. Uh, do you see that as an advantage? It, it, it's absolutely an advantage, and it's a great question. Um, this came up on the, the mailbag pod at the end of the week, and like I, I answered it in a certain way because the, of the way the question was phrased, which was basically like, do you think the Hawks are going to lose because McMillan is like a bad playoff coach? And I, I don't, I would not go that far. That said, Nate McMillan has been fired, uh, one, two, three times, right? Yeah. Uh, Pacers, uh, Blazers, uh, Seattle, uh, three times because he just, uh, an organization was like, this guy isn't a good enough coach. Um, whereas Tom Thibodeau has been fired twice, once because he couldn't play well with others, um, and two because he cursed too much on the sidelines. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like, no, I don't think there's anyone who has ever watched a game that Tom Thibodeau has coached who doesn't come away from it thinking. The, the question is not, is he a good coach? The question is, is he a top 10 coach or is he a top five coach, right? Like McMillan is like, you know, he's like your average run-of-the-mill NBA coach, like most guys. Um, but like it's it's an advantage. The only question to me is how big of an advantage it is. Right. And I think... I think the interesting thing, and I guess this is the last thing I'll say on this, is like if the Hawks were a team, like, okay, let me just take a half a step back. Like Frank Vogel is like, okay, fine coach. He won a championship last year because he had the arguably like give like there are no two easier pieces to work with than LeBron James and Anthony Davis, the way the game is played today, right? Right. Um so, like, you give him those pieces, he can win you a championship. Nate McMillan, he doesn't exactly have, like, the easiest pieces to work with because, like, Trey Young brings challenges. Like, John Collins brings some challenges. He's an imperfect player. Like, you don't have a lot of perfect players on this team on either end. Like, he's going to have to be uh, – Tibbs will force him into difficult decisions. And I trust – Tibbs' ability to do that, and I also trust Tibbs' ability to respond to the difficult decisions that Nate McMillan forces him into, which I'm sure he will do as well. Um, so, yeah, I absolutely think it's an advantage. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think uh, it'll be a pretty big advantage for us, actually, just his, Tibbs' experience, too. Um, and then also, I wanted to ask about adjustments um, as far as R.J. Barrett goes. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he has a terrible game one tomorrow to be honest, just like the way his career's gone. He kind of always starts out not not up to his potential, and then he always bounces back. Um, I want to know if you think, like, he does enough of the little things where if the scoring's not there, uh, he's not scoring inside, and somehow maybe he's not hitting his threes. Um, can he still be effective without without scoring also? Yeah, for sure. And uh, and thanks for, thanks for coming on and, and uh, talking a little bit. I think um, we've seen – Tibbs, I mean, he. There are things he says that we that are kind of full of it, like when he, when he talks about a certain starting point guard, and then there are there are things he says that um, I, I actually I believe. So when he's like, just because you're not shooting well doesn't mean you're not helping the team. Now there have been times at points this year where RJ was not shooting well and was forcing his offense a little bit. I think the most encouraging thing for me is that even as he's kind of slumped from inside the arc over the last several weeks. I right. don't get the sense that he's been doing that. I don't think he's been forcing it. And I think the looks that are t- he's taking are good looks. 
their looks that are being taken, like game context, like situation, the whole thing. I have no, I really have no issues with how he's approached the game over the, the last several weeks. So, but that being said, would I be surprised in the least if they closed some of these games without RJ on the floor? Absolutely not, because there's like essentially six guys for, well, no, actually, sorry. There's, there's five guys for three spots. Cause if you assume that they're going to have Randall on a center out there, then it's uh, RJ Bullock, uh, Burks, Rose, and Quickly. And I right. think it's going to be mixing and matching who are the best three of those five guys throughout the game. And that's, but I do think RJ is the, like the default leader in the clubhouse out of those five on any given night. So, right, right. Yeah. Um, and the last thing, this is a real quick question. Um, what's the drink of choice for tomorrow? You're going to say bourbon <laughs> or what? Um, I, I, good question. Uh, I think I said this, uh, when did I said it at some point? My my uh, mom got me some kind of bottle of uh, some fancy. I don't know what it is. It's a bourbon. It's a, it's like a Booker's. I think it's called. It's like a Jim Beam limited edition something or other. So I'm gonna I'll pour myself a glass of that uh, for for the beginning of tomorrow's game. Excellent, uh, excellent. But I have to be careful because I I, I can't I can't be you know drinking as that always. Day. Can't be yeah. getting too rowdy. All yeah, right, thanks exactly. guys. Have Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. I actually Later. wouldn't mind. I actually wouldn't mind if uh, you got a little rowdy because I think that'd make for great post game oh. YouTube live stream content. I'm sure you wouldn't. There you Listen, go. as as I think content first here, and I think everybody would love for you to be a little too into the bottle and then asking Tibbs <laughs> why number six played as many minutes as he did. Let's hope um, I don't have to ask that question. Yeah. Uh, let's hope, indeed. Uh, next up, the one and only Mr. James Stanzoni. Welcome to the stage, sir. Look, long time no talk, James. What's going on? How you guys doing? Uh, What's up, James? I'm okay. How you hold up? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, I just have a couple like weird hypothetical. Uh, just actually one Hypothetical question, like, I know winning this playoff series would, would mean everything to, like, all Knicks fans, but um, I know we have a glaring hole at point guard, and um, I just feel like we can easily sign a point guard in free agency, and, you know, it'll work out, maybe Larry or, or someone else, but, you know, there's nothing like getting that, like, that, that uh, young draft pick, like, just, you know, guaranteed the first day he's on the court. He's going to be like an all-time generational point guard. So, would you would you rather win this playoff series or or get that guaranteed point guard of the future? Oh, oh my God! Give me the give me the point guard. <laughs> yes, I mean I don't. Right, I, I didn't know it was that easy. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean for I mean per, look, everybody has different points, but I mean it's a tough hypothetical because like if I win this playoff series and like the Clippers lose in round one, does that give me a you know, X percent better shot at Kawhi Leonard or something. Like it's a it's a complicated hypothetical, but like in a vacuum, which of those two things is is more important to me? It's 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 getting the point guard. Yeah, I, I agree, definitely. And um do you guys see like a lot of um like I feel like there's gonna be not really any sweeps in like the entire playoffs. I know maybe I'm wrong, but and I could see a lot of like three one comebacks. It's just like what a weird season it's been. So, like, do you guys think there will be some sweeps at all? Or, or if, if you do, what, like, what series would it be? Ooh, this is a great – okay, I'm going to do my impromptu rankings. Um, most likely to least 
Ooh, uh, man, Memphis oh. is in instead of Golden State, so this is actually making it a little tougher. No, I'll stick with it. I'll go uh, Brooklyn over Boston, then Utah over Memphis, uh, then uh, then I'll play it safe. I'll go Philly over Washington, um, then do 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 Denver over Portland, and those are the only four that I could realistically see being sweeps i can't i can't fathom and like i don't think any of those are necessarily likely other than the brooklyn sweep i i I don't know i just have really little faith in boston right now how about you andrew same thing um yeah the clear one is brooklyn over boston i i think there's a world where none of those games are close and i i will stay on brand um I think Miami's the Jimmy Butler injury away from getting swept. So. You are not getting off of this horse. Yes, question. I gave an honest answer. I'm just I saying. Did. I think. Listen, I don't. I think the Heat are going to win one playoff game, and we're going to be sitting here in Game Seven against the Hawks, being like, "Wow, Claudio, you were onto something." No, but it's gotten to the point where now, if the Heat win this series in like five games, I'm never. I will never let you. This will become my RJ's the fifth best asset on the Knicks if they need to go on a run. <laughs> yes, that was, that was accurate. Uh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just have one last yeah, quick question. Um, I know we're talking about how um, Randall and, and maybe they'll let him do what he needs to do and, and make the other Knicks uh, beat them, other players beat them on the Knicks. But uh, do you think Randall has another level he can reach where he's literally averaging a triple-double with, like, more than like eleven assists and, and more than like ten rebounds. Like like do you think he has that next level where he can just easily average a triple double? Yeah, I, oh I I think I don't think it's far fetched at all to think that Randall averages something close to a triple double in this series, but I don't think it's up to him. I think it's up to Atlanta. And if Atlanta single that's that's to me the great question. If Atlanta single covers him, like he's like he's gonna call his own number <laughs> that's what he's been doing all year that's what tom Thibodeau tells him to do um so here's okay here's your next level your next level is i'm going to even though and he and to his credit he has done this this year even though they're laying off me on the perimeter and inviting me to take like mid-rangers and threes and even though i've been hitting them I'm still going to drive into the teeth of the defense and force them to bring a second defender to me just so I could get my teammates involved. Like that to me is the highest level of, of playmaking ascension that you could reach in the NBA. And do I think you could get there? Yeah, sure. I think you could get there. I'm, I'm, I'm done ju- d- doubting Julius Randle. Those, those days are, those days are over. Yeah, that's all I got guys. Thank you. Thank you for taking my uh, questions. Yeah, hey, that's always, good. man. Thank you. Be well, brother. Yeah, I'm just to clear up my reputation a little bit. Um, I do think there's a world where that next level of Randall is like if he if they're not gonna if he's gonna do what he did against the Hawks this season, we could be looking at and this might be hyperbole. We could be looking at the best like series performance by a Nick ever. You know, what if he averages like 37, oh, 13, and 10 in this series? Goodness. Um, I would need to go back and look at Ewing's stats from, I mean, the one that stands out is the Eastern Finals against the Pacers in 94. I have a funny feeling there's a series or two from the late 80s, early 90s that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. Um, 
we can't we can't bring it up because they ended up getting swept in the series. But like Melo, I mean, oh the Boston series, yeah. I mean, it was really. I mean, it, it, the one game was the one that stood out, but I'm pretty sure his numbers throughout that series were, were pretty outstanding. That's but again, what I'm was, saying like if Randall uh, realized the numbers I just said, 37, 13, and ten. Like if he averages a triple double because Atlanta is letting him do whatever he wants, and he's actually looking for his teammates. Yeah, of course. You know, send a conversation. Sure. Yeah. So that yeah. like that is the way that the Knicks beat this series is Randall also goes into a, a different level. Um, speaking of talking about the Hawks, let's do it again with Mr. Colin Loring, who is a is a returning guest to the Knicks Film School podcast. Hello, hello, good sir. Hello, gentlemen. Andrew, you ruined my bit. I was going to get up here and do this whole thing about being a big fan of the podcast and this recent <laughs> episode Pretend you guys Pretend I didn't say anything. Pretend I didn't say anything. Colin, welcome to the late. stage. Colin. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Hey, John, uh, you probably did this in a newsletter, and I may have just missed it. Top ten players in the series. Rank them. Rank them from one. Thank right, you, Colin. <laughs> Can we get Stacey Patton Andrew, up here? Andrew, you know where I'm going with this. I do. I do know where you're going with this. I, I It's funny because I actually don't know where you're going with this. But so, top ten players Can I give some series? quick backstory? John, hold on. No, Can I give some quick no, backstory? Because no, 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 that may ruin it. Okay. So, John, just start with this. Who's the best player in the series? All right, top ten players in the series from top down. Uh, Randall won. Golf is a parallel street. Okay, like Chester. Uh, I don't. Know, I don't know what that comment was, but that was hysterical. Um, <laughs> Randall's number one. Um, oh God, how the fuck do I answer this question? Uh, Randall's number one. Yeah, yeah I, I have to say it. Young is number yes. two. Um, you're doing great so far. Thank you so much for that. Um, Capella is number three. Rose, we're talking about right now, right? Yes, I'm right. talking about going um, into game one right now. Rose is number four. Uh, Bogdanovich is number five. RJ is number six. Um, we're getting warmer. Reggie, Reggie Bullock's number seven. Um, now's the interesting one. I, God, I really don't know what to make of. The, I've never really known what to make of this player. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go Collins eight. Um. I'll go Collins eight. I'll go Burks. No, can I go Burks over some of these other guys? I just don't know. I don't know where Hunter is physically. I don't know where. No, yeah, I'll go Burks nine, and then um, God, there's like five guys I could say at ten. Um, quickly, I guess. No, I can't say quickly. Wow! All right, Colin, take it away. I was uh, as as far as physically assaulted as you can be over the internet by my Strickland. Uh, your Strickland what? That my Strickland teammates that I would rather have uh, that I think Kevin Herter is a better player than Emmanuel quickly right now. And it was uh, it was violent. It it was bloody. Andrew was a witness. <laughs> Emotions were flying. 
I, um, uh, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that, uh, you know, ridiculous a fucking take. We're talking about a guy in his third season who's starting for the Hawks. He can handle the ball pretty well. He can initiate the offense. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just caught up uh, in the Red Mamba Kool Aid as a no, Maryland I don't, native. I, I think that Herder has had. I think if you're, if you were a betting, if you're a betting man. Uh, famous last words. If you're a betting man and you went into the series and you were given uh, a chip and you're an impartial observer as to like put your chip down on who has the better overall series, I think the chip goes on Herder. That said, I think quickly might not be better from like the beginning of game one to the end of game seven, but I definitely would put qu- here's why I ultimately said quickly. I think the chances that quickly has a few really, truly meaningful moments in this series. I feel more confident in those than the chances that I do that uh, Herder has like a, a few moments where we're like, holy shit, Herder changed this game around. Like, I don't, that's what I have less confidence in. So, but that's I don't fair. think it's a ridiculous I guess, and I don't think that I was ranking it in regards to that. I don't, I mean, quickly is more important to the series than Herder, but I don't know if that necessarily makes him a better player. Context is um, everything, of course. But, I, I don't uh, think he's a, I don't think he's a better player right now. Although I do, like Herder did a decent job on RJ. I think I think Herder honestly, I think Herder, Herder got in RJ's head, not necessarily by anything that he did, but by the fact that he looks like a sixteen year old, uh, like little brother of Jeremy Cohen. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, and RJ and RJ looked at him and be like, "Really, you're going to single cover me with this guy?" And he like just kept trying to go to the well, and it wasn't there. Um, but his defense isn't. I don't think his defense is bad. Just like quickly, I don't think his defense is bad. Um, no, and I would. I would agree. Yeah. Um, um, the the one comment I made earlier. I'm walking my dog. Just for anybody curious, there was a lady with some big balloons and a birthday bag asking me for directions. So apologies <laughs> that I didn't mute my mic. Uh, I know Andrew. Um, that's his biggest pet peeve. He's never going to let me back up on the stage again. Yeah, you're you're done. Um, I'm sorry yeah. about that. And, and then um, speaking of, this is my last question. This is honestly why I came up here. I'm going to a children's birthday party. As someone who does not have children, what is the safest drink of choice? Mr. Oh Macri? no! Wait, what's the safest drink of choice? To, yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to be taking selfies with the clown before I leave. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> I mean, I just want to have a good time without paying too much attention to anything. Just, just. To find the lightest beer that you could find and have a few light beers. All right. Well, I got a couple I, natural lights in the fridge. Um, Sean Hardy had my favorite comment of the morning. Um, <laughs> oh my in, god! In the in the chat, thank you for that, Sean. Um, but like I tell this story all the time when I used to bartend on Sundays and I would open <laughs> when I would open at at ten a.m. Um, and I would close at like uh, twelve a.m. I would just probably go through like a case of Michelob Ultra, and I would be like. I, I would walk out of there as sober as the moment that I came in, um, which is really a sad indictment of Michelob Ultra. But like, yeah, that's that would be my answer. Yeah. Also, and a testament to uh, your previous tolerance of alcohol. Tremendous. <laughs> hey, uh, appreciate it. I gotta get dressed and get ready to go sing Elmo songs and whatever the fuck people do with these things. You have a great time, <laughs> and I just hope there is alcohol there because I think there is nothing more offensive in the world than when you have a children's birthday party. And you invite adults, and you do not provide alcohol. That to me yeah. is like grounds for I'll, ending, terminating. I'll the find it. It may be fifteen-year-old, you know, whiskey in the attic, or maybe they have a secret wine cellar from the eighteen hundreds. I'll find it. There you go. Giddy up. Oh dear. 
Okay. Uh, Muhammad Musa, welcome to the stage, sir. What's going on, Muhammad? How you doing, bro? Muhammad, you're on. Go for it. He's got an RJ jersey, so I'm going to give him a second. I, I like the picture there. I do like the picture there. I understand this is a an audio medium, so you can't... You guys can't see it if you're listening on the pod, but it looks like he's at the garden. In an RJ shirt. Yeah. Um, Muhammad, go, uh, hit us back if you figure out how to um, use the audio here. Yeah. Um, request to speak if you if you get this in time, Muhammad. Um, ben Delgado, how about you? Welcome to the States. What's hey, going on, Ben? Hey, how y'all doing? We're, we're good as always. I, um Matt- how are you? <laughs> I'm well, Macri. I got a little nervous because you were on an ESPN medium, and I tried to avoid all ESPN mediums, so I had to wait to get got on the next film school pod, podcast, so I would not <laughs> frequent that that platform. I so, say, uh, listen, I whenever people whenever people tag me on Twitter and they're like, "Did you see such and such on like the jump or on first take?" My response is always the same: I don't watch ESPN for anything other than live sports. And then um, you go on it. Thanks. I was going to say, Hold on. It's, the, it's, a, it's ESPN Radio for one. And two, yeah. I, I don't care what he's on. Chris Carlin, to me, is always going to be WFAN's Chris Carlin. That's so, fair. I, in my defense, I, don't think, in my I don't think he's WFAN's Chris Carlin, Chris Carlin to him, though, John. <laughs> no, but in my mind, he always will be. So, yes. yeah. So, I, you know what? I, as much as basketball evolves, I kind of think it. there's some things that seem the same. I think this series is won by actually limiting Capella on the offensive glass rather than just saying I have to limit him, right? Like, he's going to get 20 rebounds. I would rather none of them come on the offensive glass, um, and that's how it's won because once he gets that offensive glass, get, I mean, once he gets that offensive rebound, it gets kicked out back to Trey or to Bogdan. And next thing you know, you're 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 really vulnerable. And I mean, like it or not, that's just basketball. That's always been basketball. So we really just we, we box out, right? Like that's what every one of our coaches said: box out. But those defenders, they need to stay with them shooters throughout the entire play. Um, and if a if an offensive rebound comes, you, you got it. You can't let these guys. You can't so stray. I have. I've written when back when I was writing more about the league at large. Um, I I've spent time researching um, defensive rebounding statistics in title teams and like conference finalists and stuff like over the last decade. And I think we got lost somewhere from like obviously you know Riley's. I think uh, I, I I attribute it to him. I don't know if somebody said it before him, but like re, you know rebounds, no rebounds, no rings. Um, I think we got lost somewhere because of the Warriors specifically, and people were like, oh, you could be a shitty defensive rebounding team and still win the championship. And I think we, like, if there's one lesson that we should all take from the last decade, it's like, don't try to make any rules or go against any long standing that Based on that fucking whatever they were able to do, um, because it'll never happen again. I, I'm sorry, it won't. Um, but so, and th- but then you still have other teams that rank on the lower side of defensive rebounding that like make it to conference finals or make it to finals. I think there's a difference between being a bad defensive rebounding team 
And being a team that ranks low in defensive rebounding over the course of a regular season, but has the ability to put personnel on the floor to grab a big rebound when they need it. And this is a very long-winded way of saying, yes, we do need to limit Capella on the offensive glass. I completely agree with you. I don't think they can win the series if he's getting you know, close to double-digit offensive rebounds a game. Um, and that, to me, goes back to who do they put on him? Because Noel gets bodied, man. I, 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 I said it in the newsletter the other day. I don't know who the fuck is 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 uh, giving these these height and weight statistics for basketball reference, but there's no way there's 20 pounds separating those two dudes. And, and um, that's why I think Taj is is the he's X the X factor. That's the thing. Like you have to, yes. you know, he has the body and he he has the experience. Um, he, he, has, it, he has the body and the experience, and he has yeah. the know how to know yeah. how to get into that fucking dude. It, it's it's rebounding more than anything. Like you can see. When a when a vet was out there and he had no business of get, getting a rebound and somehow he got it and that's kind of that's kind of Todd's thing. Just don't hit like Todd. Just don't let it hit your knee and go out of bounds. Like after you grab that rebound, please. We've seen that a couple <laughs> times. All right, this is my he last comment. I'll, yeah. of of I'll, I'll get off of here. I have never had a more bipolar feeling about a team than the Phoenix Suns because I either need them here to lose in the first round to Le- to LeBron James or win the championship. Those are the only two options because when it comes down to it, I need Chris Paul to be pissed off and want to leave Phoenix or feel like he accomplished the thing he needed to accomplish <laughs> and has left Phoenix, and I need to see him in a Knicks uniform next year. That's just my, that's just my take on it. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great Knicks weekend. Thank you, Ben. Can Thank I actually you. respond to that, John, if it's okay? I was going to respond too, but you go first. Well, so I think I know what you might say. Um, Ben, as John said, I think we need to broaden our horizon. Steph Curry just had a disappointing exit to the postseason. Oh, hush. And, you know, drafting another project in the with the, whatever the Timberwolves pick this year by the Warriors. And then if Klay Thompson isn't the same, and if Draymond can't hit a layup with a wide-open lane, maybe Steph looks to go to a team that's much more established and ready to win um, in a year or two. I'll say two things. One, um, I think there's a better chance that uh, you uh, suit up for the next <laughs> than Steph Curry ever does, and that is not any kind of an – like, I'm not trying to throw shade at the Knicks. I'm just like, if I had to bet my money on one player in the league today finishing their career with the team that they're on, I would put my money on Steph Curry, and I wouldn't think twice. Um, but Udonis has them aside. Um, oh, you know what, though? Um, it, sorry, I said that was my last comment. If any Knicks fan ever talks about Andrew Wiggins or a dump of Andrew Wiggins in the Knicks, it's over. We're, yes. we're through. That's, I completely agree. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say about Chris Paul is I, um, I try to be selective about what podcast scuttlebutt I want to take to heart and what podcast scuttlebutt I want to dismiss. Um, I forget exactly what the words were that was said, but I did come away from an episode of uh, it was the Hoop Collective with Windhorse this week, and the, and it, and it was funny. I, I do remember actually part of the words that were said were like, you know, the Knicks are out there, maybe or maybe no, no, sorry, it wasn't windy, it was low. Ah, I'm getting my podcast confused. It was low and it was it was Woj, but I came away from that conversation being like Chris Paul's not going anywhere, um, and maybe I'm wrong, but we'll see. Um, yeah, you and I talked about this. He wants to stay near his kid, which is why the Knicks can broaden their horizons. But I don't know if I don't know if Chris Paul's the thing to 
to count your chickens. Hey, out, listen, you know? never, never rule it out, but whatever. Anyway, okay. Uh, Ma- where are we at? Last one. Muhammad has joined us now. Muhammad, yeah, welcome to the stage. Hey, can you guys hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you fine, man. What's going on? Uh, pretty good. Uh, you know, we're all excited for the upcoming game. Uh, playoffs start today, but I had a weird question. Um, also, I love you guys' podcast. Love all the work you guys do. I really appreciate it. We all appreciate it. Thank obviously. you so much, man. Um, but I have a weird question. So, say, like, there's, like, a weird situation where Alfred Payton gets injured. Um... And, you know, Emmanuel quickly gets injured. Uh, you know, all these guys get injured. And Luca Valdoza, you know, is here. Is there a possibility, since he's on the roster, is there a possibility that he plays? And then my second question would be, like, what is your ideal um, finishing lineup, uh, you know, to finish these playoff games? So the Valdoza question I'll answer first because I think that's easier. Uh, I think Tibbs, much as he has with, uh, Mitchell Robinson has chosen his words very carefully. Um, when it comes to Valdoza, with Valdoza, he's been more, obviously, much more forceful in his sentiments about him not playing. But he has not come out and actually said the words, Luca Valdoza will not play for us this season. I think because of the exact scenario you raised, because it's the playoffs, crazy shit happens. Maybe the, maybe uh, Joel Embiid gets injured in this playoff series and the Knicks win and they go on to the next series and like, Something happens then, and fucking build those like shit happens. Um, so yeah, would I rule it out a thousand percent? No, but it would take it would take some kind of a crazy circumstance. Um, and wait, oh my god, I forgot what was the second question. Um, Your ideal finishing lineup. No, ideal finishing lineup. Yeah, I've, I've tried to answer this question before, and I I can't really because I do think it depends on like who's who's going well in a given game. Um, and I think Tibbs, again, has, has no issues. Here's what we know. It's going to come to – it's going to be Randall. It's going to be whichever center is having the stronger game. Um, I think he would prefer Taj more often than not, but I don't think he – I think there are circumstances where it's Noel. And then it's, you know, it's three of the other five guys. Rose, Quickly, uh, Burks, Reggie, RJ. And I think the nice thing about that is, like, literally any three of those five you could put into the other three spots. I think the default is Rose, RJ and Reggie. Um, and then if quickly or Burke uh, really has it going, it's one of them. And I think it's uh, the last thing I'll say as far as Burke's, I, I mm, yeah, I'll say this. I don't, I think the, the lowest odds are of us ever seeing Burke's, and Rose together in a start in a closing five, uh, because I think he, I just I don't I just I don't think we've seen it. I don't think we will see it. Just call it a gut feeling. Um, so yeah, that would be. I hope that's an answer to your question. Yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for coming. Out. All right, I have a treat for you before we get out of here. Uh, first. Rich McLeod, I'm inviting you to the stage. And Mr. Futternick, I'm inviting you to the stage. Yo. What up, Rich? How you doing, buddy? Guys, pretty good. So, I, I just didn't know if you had, like, a take or a question you wanted to ask Macri regarding... I have no he, he idea. Had, what he had I, Steph Curry as his number two in the MVP rankings. I have no I idea. I just didn't know if you had any thoughts about, about that. <laughs> 
I'm not sure what you're referring to. I mm-hmm. had a, I had a several alcohols last night. To be <laughs> fair. <laughs> And when, and, and when I saw that the Warriors, oh, they didn't make the playoffs. I was like, oh, you know, that's that's a shame for the number two MVP guy. And I was, <laughs> I, I was being somewhat tongue in cheek, but you know, in my defense, I think in the NBA more so than other sports, you're you know, the stars are closely packed together, and you kind of have to be on a good team to like be the MVP candidate. And I, that was all I was trying to say. And I was a little, like I said, I was a little no, stuff. Can I just, in, in, in my defense, I did write a whole thing. It was like three or four weeks ago going through, um, no less than 40 years of NBA history, making the point that, um, no, the, no player has ever, um, forget about won the MVP, the highest, the highest MVP finisher on a team that was either that low of a seed or that like had a losing record um, was Michael Jordan in his. Uh, I think it was his, uh, third, third year with the Bulls, maybe third mm-hmm. year with the Bulls. Yeah, um, and like Barkley did it on a tenth place team. He finished fourth, but like NBA history suggests that it is not a th- it is not necessarily a thing that should happen. I guess I just struggle with like, so if not Curry finishing second, then who? The hill I'm going to die on is the Embiid games played thing. I'm not getting Mm. off that hill. Um, I just don't think you, to a certain level, playing 70% of your team's games. Um, And so then it's really going to put. I mean, do we have to give Giannis or Chris Paul some more love? Years of NBA history. There's like you could count the amount of guys on you don't need two hands who have had a usage rate as low as Paul has had this year that have again not won the award, even finished in the top five. Um, I I think Doncic should be in there in the conversation. I think Giannis should be in the conversation. And like, you know, if you want to put, I I just I can't. I'm the biggest homer in the world. I can't put Randall (laughs) second. Oh, I'm not no. I think yeah. Randall I think you can absolutely make the case for Randall like filling out the top five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean even even I'm not like throwing him up at number two. I mean my heart wants me to, but we have to Yeah, I, I think it's it's just it's such a crazy year, which is to go against my own point about Embiid, which is why like when Embiid finishes second, because he's gonna finish second. Like I'm yeah. I, I I'm not gonna like go fuck candidates are perfect. <laughs> totally and thank you andrew for uh volunteering me to you're welcome potentially get dunked on today which i did not so i thought you held your own i thought you 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 successfully nerland's noel to any attempt to dunk on you <laughs> well done rich i take that as a compliment and to, it be, is, to, it to, is. to be clear it was never like macri's lost it was just like in generally speaking like Oh no no no! He Steph wasn't. Curry, yeah, Steph Curry. Listen, I'm I'm lost a lot, so there's no no, no <laughs> it was, shade there. It was very much a late night, like, hey, so the Warriors missed the playoffs. Like, Steph, sh- we should reassess this whole Steph as a MVP candidate thing. And I was like, they're and a 14 win team without him, so please bring this take to locker room. <laughs> um, and like we said, like we talked about last Saturday, you know how many how many wins do the Knicks have with if you take Randall off the team, uh, probably, I'm with probably, you. So that's probably a thing, pretty man. similar. 
Johnny uh, got some pushback I, this week for 20, putting 21. Randall in the top five. And I was like, what are you talking about? Oh, I, listen, there's a re- I think there's a real chance uh, Randall finishes, uh, like, maybe maybe it's, like, tied well. Okay. I, see, I don't. I don't, unfortunately. I think there's a real ch- – let me say this. I think there's a real chance he finishes sixth. How about that? I think there's a real chance he finishes yeah. sixth once all the votes are tallied. I think enough people will put him fifth, and I bet you he gets a handful of people that put him fourth. There you go. Rich, yeah, as always, buddy, thank you for coming on. And uh, we'll – news with Rich regarding next film school coming soon is yes, what I will I'm say. very excited about that. Mm. Thanks for having me, guys. There you uh, go. There you go. All right. So we had two last minute requests to the stage. So I'm actually going to ask you both to come up at the same time. So Jason Meredith is up here and Kwasim Makani. Uh, Close this out, gentlemen. Uh, Hello. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I hear you guys. Yeah, we we can hear you. So, uh, Kwasim, go first. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll be quick. uh, Macri, hey, how's it going? You What's mentioned going on, something in one of the other uh, speaker conversations about, you know, we're going to need a quickly game. Gonna maybe we'll definitely have a Randall game. So I was thinking about this, you know, in terms of who are the games that we need and we can count on. We can definitely count on a Randall game. And let's hope we can count on a quickly game. And then it becomes a little dodgy in terms of are we going to get a Burks game or a Bullock game or a Rose game. It's not guaranteed, and we don't know to what degree. Um, and I was thinking on the other side, of course, uh, that they will have a Trey game. Um, and then, so I'm, in your opinion, who do you think uh, is is winning one or two games for them versus who do you think is winning one or two games for well, us? Let me let me flip this on its head a little bit. I think under on games the Knicks win without Randall having a Randall game mm-hmm. is I, I, I put it at like point five. Um, I think it would be actually no. I would set the line at one. Uh, I, so you might get a push there. I think that there is a decent chance the Knicks win a game where Randall is just fine. Um, but I think, I think, give me, I'm, I'm happy to predict a quickly game, a Rose game, a Burks game, and, uh, a couple of RJ games. I think, uh, maybe it might be later in the series, but I'm, I'm happy to predict that as my, as my, um, and yeah, then, I, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to get there in, in, in his first playoffs thing that RJ is going to win a game for us. And I, I, to me, I think win a game for us means that, uh, nobody else has it going for a little while, and he just carries a quarter or a quarter and a half. Kind oh, of I think I think we're uh, talk about how far we've we've come. Um, I think we're getting a couple of those games from RJ. I really do. Um, yeah, I feel pretty strongly about that. I think this. I just I can't be sass. I can't be impressed enough about about what he's done this year. Um, in terms of like, just it's like it's like clockwork. He has these bad first halves, and then he comes out and he's like uh, completely brushes it off. So, so then, just last thing on the other side, who do you think we need to worry about um, taking Bogey. over a game for their side besides Trey? Bogey, Bogey. It's the only answer. <laughs> it's it's Bogey all the way. Okay, um, I, I'm scared shitless of that guy. Uh, J- Jason, what's going on with you? Right. How are you doing? Um, 
Good, good. I'm a big fan. I watch every post game. I'm Jason Meredith on Twitter and Jason oh, M on YouTube. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah I, That's why I say that because we've chatted before. <laughs> of course, man. How are you? I always want to be on these locker rooms, but I just, I don't have it on my schedule. So I like forget about it usually. Um, thanks for coming. What I want to say is I think the fact that we've had a week between games has really messed with your mind a little bit. Um, because what you're doing, what I've been watching a lot of your stuff and you keep saying how the Knicks ideally probably shouldn't win the series. But I think what's happening is on paper, the Knicks shouldn't win the series. But on paper, the Knicks should have not won 10 games in a row. The Knicks should have not beat the Mets. The Knicks should have not beat the Clippers. Yeah. I think we're still looking at this team as a bike. You're still looking at players like Reggie Bullock as like a, a journeyman and Alec Burks a journeyman, but they're not playing like that. They're playing so much better. So I think the Knicks will win in six, um, maybe seven, but I think a lot of it is just they're going to play better than – they're going to do what they've done all year, which is play better than we think they're going to play. It's kind of crazy like to say that of the Knicks team, but that's how I feel. No, listen, I totally respect that. Um, here's my one here's my one fear it is they Randall he needs to be and here's the thing, it's not but it's, again, it's not about Randall being so good. It's about Randall adjusting to all the different things that the that the Hawks are going to throw at him. And the fact that they rely on him so much to be so good. And it's like, that's why the reason why I've kind of not changed my – because look, again, I think the Knicks are going to win the series. I want to be very unequivocal about that. I think the Knicks are going to win the series. Would it shock me if they won it in six games? No, absolutely not. But in the playoffs, like even a coach like McMillan – and like, like they're going to figure out ways. I think, I think, to really make Randall's life at least difficult, which they have not done at all in three games. So it's then going to be on everybody else on the Knicks to pick up the slack. Which, as we as we just talked about with the last question, I I think there there are enough Knicks who will pick up that slack, um, but they you know they have to do it. And I, I, you know, I and I think it's it's gonna be hard. That's all. I just think it's gonna be hard. I think it's gonna be. Oh hard. yeah, it's gonna be a very hard series. I don't think it's gonna be an easy series. It's just, I just think when you look at the names of the players, it's easy to be like, man, the Knicks should not be winning this series. <laughs> yeah, but, no, no, yeah. I, I, uh, and and just to, so I'm, I want to be like crystal clear about this. I've said on the podcast a few times this week that I think one, the Hawks are more talented. And the reason for that, the Knicks are essentially a team that's like eight deep um, because I like Alfred mm-hmm. Payton's a negative. And I think Obi, while I have obviously been singing his praises over the last several weeks, I still think he's a guy that if he goes out there and he just like doesn't hurt you, is yep. that's a plus. Um, whereas I, I think that the Hawks can like, they have like not. I want to actually say they have like nine real guys who could come on the floor and like. I think you have ten different ways. Yeah, but the thing is, you have to. And I actually think that might be a weakness of the Hawks. I know this sounds weird, but no, I, I know, know where you're going with this. He's going to shorten the rotation enough. Yeah, no, you're, it's it's a great point. It really is. And he's um, going to play Lou Williams probably way too many minutes because Lou Williams should be playing ten minutes max. Whenever Kirk, uh, Trey's not on the court, Lou Williams should play. If Trey's on the court, Lou Williams should not be seeing the court. He's a defensive liability. 
hundred percent. Yeah, no, I and I think it's going to be really interesting because I know everybody wants to put it on Lloyd Pierce um, at the beginning of the season as he was the one at fault. I think there's a lot to what you're saying about there were too many guys, too many mouths to feed, and that's why you saw a guy like Bogey Bogdanovich in the beginning of the season was a shell of himself because he was yeah. like you know off the bench he's playing eighteen, nineteen minutes a game, and it's like. That's not how you use that guy. So if you play him 35 minutes a game in this series, what does that mean for Hunter? What does that mean for Herter? What does that mean for Collins? How are those guys yeah. going to respond to that? I mean, they're probably going to want to play Solomon Hill a lot because they're going to probably want him to defend Randall. And he's like, he really should is not one of the 10 best players. So there you go. Man. No, you're, you, you listen, man, you, uh, sometimes like you really, people on this thing always make me think and you like, it's a great point. You're, you're, you're spot on. All right, Jason, no problem. I'll, I'll, Jason, I'll be, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to be done. I was I was going to say I'm done. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I love the energy to wrap this up, man. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Bye. Um, and now, to, to um, close us out here, I believe we do have uh, famous actor David Futternick on the, on the line. Yes. What up? What up? <laughs> I what had up, to... Buddy? Not surprising. I had to uh, close the app and uh, reopen it, and uh, you know, do some finagling. And I am currently at a basketball court, hungover, which is uh, not a not a good decision when you're 37. But you know, we'll see how it goes. Oh God, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. You know, I'm probably headed to court later, buddy. So we'll see who scores more today. Hey, I. Uh, I w- will never stop shooting because it's all I have. <laughs> shoot so, and shoot, exactly. So I'm I'm either going to really piss off my teammates today, or um, you know they'll be they'll be like, "Wow, what did what did you do? You never shoot like this." And I'll be like, "Well, I drank a thousand beers last night." So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, well done, sir. Uh, oh, hey, I missed because of said hungover. Uh, you know, this morning I missed the the a good chunk of the show. Which is the detriment of living on uh, on the West Coast, but I just want to say I, I will listen to the rest of the show in podcast form. Let's go, Knicks! Uh, I would really like to see Randall come out strong in the first quarter tomorrow. That's all I I I, I want to see him hit his first shot, and I want to see him come out very good. And that's that's I all think, I ask. I think you're going to get your wish. Um, you are. You are an inspiration to us all that you are out there <laughs> giving it a go. I'm doing uh, it for the Knicks. I'm doing it for the Knicks. There we go. I, I know. Um, well, I love note. you boys. Let's go Knicks. And uh, let's. I, I can't wait to hear the, the garden rocking tomorrow. And uh, uh, I cannot believe we are here. <laughs> yes. We, it's amazing. We here. Uh, we, we here. here. <laughs> right, you Andrew, here buddy. anything else before we get out of here? Uh, just one thing. Uh, Joseph Raimondi had requested to come up, but we're short on time. I will read his comments from the chat to wrap up today. Um, just wanted to tell fans that think the Hawks are going to beat us to stop protecting their fragile hearts. Fuck the Hawks. The Knicks are built for the playoffs. Um, I think that is the energy that we need to close this out on. We have waited long enough and here we are for a home playoff series. So regardless of how much we uh, analyzed it and overanalyzed it and discussed it and over-discussed it this week, um, I think John would echo this. Just be in the moment, guys. We have a home playoff series. Enjoy 
the back and forth and the ups and downs of it. And yeah, let's go next. We here. I uh, I can't finish it any better than that because you said it perfectly. I also have a child on my uh, shoulders right now. So I'm going to say thank you to everybody who, who chimed in. And uh, let's go next. Let's, uh, let's get this.